Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Talk has the power to save lives. Find out more at imlistening.org. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Score! Here comes the 2-1 pitch on the way to Franco. Bouncing ball to first. This could do it. Ball game over. Cubs win. Marcus Stroman holds up his hands. Looking at the crowd. Now gets a handshake and a bear hug from Tucker Barnhart. The Cubs win the ball game by a score of one to nothing. A complete game. One hit shutout by Marcus Stroman. It's Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and on 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. That was the beautiful sound of Pat Hughes calling the end of the game. Marcus Stroman, as he mentioned, complete game shutout. One hit, eight strikeouts, only giving up one walk today. And he got the complete game in 105 pitches. You love seeing it, especially as a baseball purist. You know, sometimes people are looking at that pitch count, not wanting to have guys go over 100. But Marcus Stroman, getting the job done. Love seeing that. And and Stro, uh, we're going to get to his post-game comments in just a second, but I do want to let you know Sam Amico is going to be joining us at 620 as we talk about this Game 7. Sheesh, going to be a good one. I know I'm going to be glued to the TV, at least for as long as my daughters let me be before I have to go ahead and put them to bed. That's what I do. That's what you have to do. If you don't have any kids, this is what you do. You cannot watch Game 7 of the NBA Finals. You try to watch as much as you can, and then you put the kids to bed and then you go back and watch the parts, everything that you missed because you put the game on pause. Shout out to YouTube TV. All right. Uh, let's get to this Strowman post game. I mentioned before the break that Stroh said that he is a product of some people in particular. And you would think it would be the guys on the field, but Strowman gave props to a different group. Tommy obviously has been huge for me. Uh, Daniel Moscos, those guys are, we talk in between every single inning about my mechanics, 
just how to get to a spot that I need to be. This was special. This was this was very this was like an amazing moment for me and truly just grateful, thankful for all the fans. Um and even like I I'm just going around the clubhouse now before this, seeing everyone like how much like nobody understands how many people play a part into this and you know, everyone just thinks it's just me running out there, but I'm essentially a product of everyone around here. It's so many people work hard from the training staff to uh, the clubbies, the clubhouse guys. And like I said, I'm, I'm someone who's very grateful for all of them because they allow us to go out there and perform at our highest level and they keep any stress or tension away from us. You know what I mean? And I, I truly don't think those guys get enough credit. PJ, obviously our head trainer, Nate, uh, Nate Whitney, who I'm with every single day. He's, he's incredibly important for me. Frange. I mean, I can run down the list, and then even when it goes to the clubhouse guys, Danny, VJ, um, Otis, Tim, Steven, Dakota, Matt, if I'm missing anyone, but like, like I said, I'm so thankful for everyone because they do so much for us, and they allow us to go out there and, and allow me to perform free and easy while they take care of everything that needs to be done. You love the leadership mentality there. Sounds like you rarely, I mean, you know, you, you guys who perform well, they, you know, Got to shout out this, that, and the other. But he damn near mentioned everybody in the organization right there. <laughs> the club, the clubbies, you know, those guys. I like it, though. You know, I think, you know, when you have that kind of a background that he has, you appreciate everyone from the top to the bottom. The same, right? You don't, you don't lean into the execs or the coaches in a way that's different from the people that even clean the clubhouse, Right? You, I'm sure he says what's up to them, too. It's something that might be embedded in you, right? I think it's a great point, great moment to mention the fact that his mom's Puerto Rican. I'm Puerto Rican, guys. That's why I love it. It comes in a little almanac that they give you when you turn five. Every athlete that's been that's Puerto Rican, so that that way you can reference them at any point in time. It's part of the Puerto Rican handbook. Uh, but but it's good to see things like that. You love you love seeing things like that because we, we see enough a-holes in our life. And so, you know, for Stroman to have the performance that he did today, you know, you kind of love seeing things like that. And, you know, it was funny because I think, Alex, you and I got a text from our boss today about Marcus Stroman's no-hitter. But apparently, you know, our boss and, and you, Alex, and myself, we knew, we knew more than Marcus Stroman did. To be honest, I, I didn't even know I had it, to be honest with you. I wasn't even very conscious of it because the, of the hit batter, so I didn't even put two and two together that that guy didn't get a hit when I got deep in the game. I just had to assume he got a hit as I was rolling. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very present. I'm truly just focusing on my body and my mind each and every pitch and in between innings. And when I do that, I'm usually pretty good. I try to stay out of getting too excited or letting myself get kind of um, out of my zone because when I do, I feel like my, my mechanics and my pitches are off. You love hearing him say it. You love hearing him say it. You love hearing him say it. Uh, but you don't love him saying, hearing him saying, <laughs> that didn't know I don't know it. I'm just out there throwing gas. Don't even care. I mean, I get it. Got the got the, the HBP or the walk right there. Sorry. And then, and then uh, but he's zoned in. Doesn't care. He's absolutely zoned in. There's nothing more than you can expect from him. And he continued. And I, I talked about this earlier in the show where, you know, coming off of a sweep, against the Cincinnati Reds. You love the fact that you can get a guy like Stroman on the bump because he understands the importance. He could care less that the Cubs just got swept. He could care less that the bats didn't necessarily show up today. He could care less that they were going up against the team with the best record in Major League Baseball. 
Just feel like we needed, we just needed to, uh, a stop and kind of to get things rolling. Uh, I think we've been on like a little skid, not necessarily anything I'm worried about. Like I said, baseball is a game of trends and ups and downs. But I think it should hopefully give us a little momentum, knowing that we can play with anyone, knowing that, um, like I said, we're capable of beating any team in the league. So to get that from the Rays are incredible. I've struggled against the Rays my entire career. They've always been, their lineups are always scrappy. It's just you feel like they're on everything. It's just one of those teams that continually puts out great hitters, one through nine. Even if you don't necessarily know who they are, anytime they bring someone up from the minors and put them in their lineup, it seems like they have success. So I was in the ALEs for a while, and I used to hate facing the Rays just because, like I said, you know you're, you're, you're going to be in for a long day with how they battle. They don't give ABs away. They can run. They're, they're scrappy. So they, they've always been an incredible team. And like I said, hopefully you take this momentum into tomorrow. It's awesome that, you know, he references the familiarity with the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, pitching for the Blue Jays for so long. And so there's that level of familiarity there, not just, you know, with the players themselves, but the culture of the Rays. And like he said, they don't give many at-bats away, so you have to be zoned in, and that's exactly what he was. Marcus Stroman giving up one hit, striking out eight. Tough, tough to do against the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, But, you know, clearly – he knew what he wanted to do while he was on that mound during this game. I just go off with what Tucker's calling. To be honest with you, I'm very confident in sinker slider. I think game to game, I don't think it's going to necessarily always be sinker heavy predominant. I think it can kind of go either way. Um, I'm really confident in my slider as well. But like I said, I also can throw my sinker to anybody in any count. So it's just a matter of playing that game and, and playing that game with hitters. Reading swings, I think, is huge, which, Tucker, which Tucker's incredible at. I feel like he's able to understand when, when they feel like they're on sinker and call the slider, when he feels like they're on slider or calling sinker. And that's incredibly tough to do as a catcher, but Tucker's usually pretty dialed in. Yeah, I got to be honest. I can't remember what at bat it was. It was one of the few that went to a full count. And I thought to myself, this guy's sitting fastball right here. No doubt about it. And then you see the off-speed pitch come, and you're just like, damn, Tucker. Like, if I was at bat, I would I would have been sitting dead red right here. And so you're calling the good game in that sense, and that's the kind of relationship you really genuinely want with your catcher, one of confidence and trust. And that's exactly what we saw from the two uh, today. Uh, Marcus Stroman listening to his postgame right now, his thoughts after – Pitching a gem, nine innings, one hit, shutting out the Tampa Bay Rays. Cubs getting the victory today. And, you know, we were taking calls. We all, you know, have thoughts on his performance, but but he had some of his own. Just just happy, just excited, you know. it's a, That's something that I strive to do. I talk about it all the time. Is That's kind of when I came up was to take the ball and go seven, eight, nine innings. That's what a starter was expected to do. Anything short of seven innings was even seen as, as, as you know what I mean, detrimental to being a starter when I came up. So, yeah, it's just I feel like that does a huge job for the bullpen. I feel like that just has a whole trickle-down effect that, that's positive on a team when a guy's able to go out there and go so many innings. It's able to keep, like I said, the bullpen fresh and give us some momentum going into the next game. And that's the, that's the beauty of that right there. I mean, you know, he's just a gamer. There's no other way around it when you're looking at Marcus Stroman, and it's exactly what you want. He did, you know, uh, he had uh, eight against the Mets. He had another, another you know, obviously it was a complete game today. Um, and so you, you, you're curious, this is the result of what, Mr. Stroman? As hard as we work and be, no one sees how much goes into this in between starts, you know, even leading up to a game, it's so much work on so many parties within here just to go out there and perform. So I think it's just like a celebration for all of us, you know, everyone that, that, that has a, a piece in it, 
And like I said, I'm just very thankful and grateful that I can go out there, feel healthy, and, and put my team in a position to win each and every time. I mean, going CG at Wrigley, I, that's like one of the top moments in my career. You know, I mean, the energy. Like I said, when I walk out there 40 minutes before the game, I, there's a massive cheering section already. Like the bleachers are usually filled. Everyone's just like ready to roll. So that gives me so much momentum and motivation. I, I can't put that into words. So I'm very, very thankful for the home crowd and, and the fans. I truly, truly think they're the best fans in the game. Um, I, I'll say that to the death of me. What Marcus Stroman does have in spades is heart. January 9, 2015, Stroman completed the legal process for trademarking. Height doesn't measure heart. HDMH. You know, he's only 5'8", or something like that. So, again, he has to 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 muster up everything else. You know, he has to, has to find it in different places. And so, 5'7", excuse me. Damn, 5'7"? That's crazy. All right. <laughs> that's wild, dude. That's wild. Is that an actual 5'7", or is it like a normal sports 5'7", where they're giving him two more inches? That's a great point, Alex, because, I mean, I've never met Marcus Stroman, never stood up next to him. But, damn, I mean, 5'7". He's probably leaning into that. So maybe it is a real 5'7". Okay, know? good. That's fair. Because then if it was 5'6", he probably wouldn't be a major league baseball player. I mean, I, damn. I, I So maybe he used to list himself at like 5'9 back in the day, you know? That's a lot of power to generate with a 5'7 frame, frame. frame. Shout out to the Boricuas out there. Uh, so he did make a – there was an interesting play in the ninth, and uh, we'll wrap up uh, Stroh's game with his thoughts on that. Yeah, the ump was actually awesome in that moment. He he kind of came out there, and I kind of said, like, hey, I need a second. He, he, was, he actually came out to give me a second. So I think he was kind of conscious of it and – very thankful like like he didn't have to be like that in that moment, especially with the pitch clock. Um, but I think he saw how, how big the moment was and how much I ran over and like I was kind of trying to stretch a bit. So, yeah, he came out, walked all the way out, I think almost the first base and kind of gave me some time. When you're performing well, you get you get the benefit in those in those situations. And I think that's what's important. You're throwing a gem. I'm still a good job of that. Let's be very clear. Whether you get hit they can read when you need an extra second to go wipe off the plate. They ask for a reset on the pitch clock. I mean, they're, they're usually pretty good in that instance. And so when you when you go nine, they know they're not seeing that too often. So when you're going nine and, and you do need that casual, you know, extra, you know, second or two, uh, they're good to go in that. But again, Marcus Stroman, nine innings pitched, giving up just one hit, one walk, striking out eight to bring his ERA currently uh, – down from the 295 that it once was to 2.59. Just absolutely crushing. Batters hitting, opponents just hitting 188 against Marcus Stroman. And he's put out three straight outings since the loss at Minnesota when he gave up six earned runs and two and two-thirds. He's gone on to pitch six innings, get the dub against the Phillies, eight innings, getting the dub against the Mets. And then, of course, putting together the Masterful CG, as uh, Stroman is so affectionately called it. But I'm telling you, he ain't got the braids anymore, bro. Hair's not too tight. Too th- I've had braids in my hair before, and let me tell you, itchy is one. Because you think about it, whenever you're going to scratch your hair, you just go ahead and scratch your hair. But you got braids, you can't necessarily do that. So that one's a little tougher right there. Itchy, and I guess it's more aerodynamic. But got the curls down, you're feeling swaggy. Put a little soul glow in that thing. Feeling good. Marcus Stroman, another gem today, man. Ah, congratulations to him. Hopefully uh, the Cubs tomorrow with Kyle Hendricks on the bump uh, can look to make it two in a row going up against Shane McClanahan. 
Um, that one right here on 670, the score. Uh, first pitch at 705, pregame starting at 630. I'll be on your air. To, I'll be on the air tomorrow here on 670, the score, leading you into that one. So 12 hours from right now, I'll be back uh, right here. All right, so uh, we're going to uh, switch gears for a second. Of course, huge game today. Boston Celtics taking on the Miami Heat game seven. Celts looking to be the first team in NBA history to come back from a 3-0 deficit. And we get to talk to Sam Amico after the break. Who does he think will be victorious at the end when the buzzer sounds for game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals? We will find out after the break. Sam Amico joins us next. It's Gabe Ramirez on a Memorial Day here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. It's off the smoke for the seventh game. Now, Kamebe tipped in, but the buzzer sounded. The light was on. It'll be reviewed. I don't think he got that anything yet. You have to protect the offensive rebound. Oh, he got Long rid of it. He That's sure a did. Celtic win, and we're going to game seven. The Celtics are going to win. There's a game seven back in Boston. Shout out to TNT right there for that clip. A moment that will be replayed over and over and over again if the Boston Celtics win today. Be very clear. <laughs> you won't get as much you won't get as much time if if the Miami Heat uh, win today, but uh we will get a prediction from one of our experts in just a second joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He is the senior NBA writer for hoopswire.com. And hanging out with us right now on 670 The Score, it's Sam Amico. Sam, good to talk to you again. Yeah, good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Big big, uh, big night in the NBA tonight. Let's go back a second, though, before we get to Game 7. And it seems as though every game that the Miami Heat has won has been one where they've had to battle, like literally battle for their life and come back. Um, when, when You know, when they were down 10, was your assumption that there was going to be a game seven no matter what? And what did you think about the performance that Miami had to get it back uh, to up one with just three seconds left? That's just it. They've, they have really, you know, first of all, what a great, great comeback by them and a yeah. great rally to try to close this off. But, uh, you know, what if you're a Miami Heat in the organization or a fan, what a heartbreaker there. It kind of felt like you did everything you had to do. And, and, you know, really, both of these teams, all playoffs, you think about Boston being down 3-2 to the Sixers, you know, and having to win a game on the road to, to make it happen. Boston's had to win two elimination games against Miami on the road. Miami probably, you know, didn't look like they were going to get out of the play-in tournament. So, really, uh, you, you can't envision anything but, you know, with the way the Heat have been battling and, and really kind of overcoming, obviously, some injuries, but just kind of a, a blasé regular season. Uh, it's been a, it's a number eight seed. It's, it's been something else to watch, you know. But now, now they want to win it because they're, they came so close. So now you want to try to finish the job and get to the finals if you're Miami. Sam, why do you think Boston, I mean, obviously, they, you know, everyone assumed that Boston, you know, was going to run away with it. You know, the series, you know, they had like a 5% chance to some analytics that Miami would be able to win. And then you see why in the last three games, right? The chip finally on the shoulder of the Boston Celtics. And it seemed like that is what propelled them 
to some of these victories. But why, why do you think it was that they didn't necessarily have the motivation um, in the beginning of this thing? You know, I think they were a little worn out probably from the Sixers series. Uh, that having gone seven games uh, was really a battle, had to win those last two, had to exhaust themselves against Philadelphia. You come home, you see, you know, oh, we're playing the number eight seed. We got both those first two games at home, should be able to take care of them. I think it was just human nature for them to let their foot off the pedal a little bit. And, uh, you know, again, you lose game one, it's not a big deal if you're the home team. But then, you know, you go down 2-0 and you're going on the road. (laughs) It just doesn't look real promising, especially after you lose game three. Uh, I I just think – I think they've played desperate. And Boston isn't good enough, as good as they are. They're not good enough to not play desperate. They have to play desperate. And if they do, they could win a championship. But if they don't, you know, then you see things like falling behind 3-0 and uh, just – just not looking real good along the way. They've been, for, for you know, the number two seed in the East, have been very, very up and down all season. Yeah, got to play with that little, again, that's why I mentioned it, the chip on your shoulder. We're talking to Sam Amico, senior NBA writer at HoopsWire.com. I'm Gabe Ramirez here on 670 The Score. All right, so, you know, the issue for the Miami Heat this game is, you know, if I would have told them in game six that, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown would go 0 for 12 in the three-point line, and you're still going to lose, I don't think they would have believed me. So when you're looking at uh, Game 7, for me, it seems just from so much that Boston has been able to overcome that you know they have, they've won the mental battle versus the Miami Heat already. But, but what do you see happening in this game, and what does the blueprint look like for the Boston Celtics to come out victorious? You know, you, you know you're probably going to get what you get from Tatum and Brown, Jalen Brown. I mean, they're, they're – they're not bad. They may have off nights, but they're never bad. So you know what you're going to get from them. It's really been the other guys. Uh, you know, last game, I think it was Marcus Smart who led him in scoring. You know, Al Horford's come around. Those first three games, Al Horford did not, wasn't shooting the ball well, wasn't contributing much. Uh, and, and, you know, some of those other guys, too, they, they, they just need more than their big two, really. You know, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon, who's been battling an injury, uh, and, and obviously Derek White came up huge. So it's really, to me, when you look at this, if you're the Celtics, we know what our big two are going to give us. We know they're going to come out and, you know, they're going to be the biggest threats on the floor. But what are the other guys around them going to do? Uh, because really the games Miami has won, nobody else really played that well outside of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And, and, and sometimes, you know, those two didn't even play that well. So, uh, it's it's to me it's really going to come down to that if Boston because they 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 just have more depth they just they just do and if they're if they're deeper you know if their bench comes to life or even their role players so to speak come to life I I think they'll they'll make a historic comeback and win this thing yeah and and you know you got to give you got to tip your cap to Joe Mazzulla a little bit I mean obviously starting Robert Williams in the first two games of the series. And then, you know, putting Derek White into that. Why, why, why do you feel like he made that adjustment? Like, what, what do you think was, was going through his mind by getting another guard in there and leaving Robert Williams to come off the bench? Yeah, I, I just think it gave him more speed and more, you know, gave Miami a more difficult matchup issue. Uh, anytime putting more speed on the floor uh, and, and, you know, Robert Williams, fine player, you know, does, does a lot of things very well. 
but it's just a matter of, you know, Miami was kind of getting what they wanted around the perimeter. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to uh, put somebody faster on the floor for defensive purposes as well when you're talking about Derek White going over and kind of, you know, getting in Jimmy Butler's face a little bit in terms of double teaming him. Uh, so I just think that you went from having kind of more of the rim protector in Robert Williams to giving yourself more speed around the perimeter where Miami had been hurting Boston quite a bit, as well as offensively. You have another guy to create offense, you know, and, and that's really what you're looking for. The more ball handlers we've seen in today's NBA uh, seems like the better, and, and I think that's why he made the move. Obviously, it's paid off. Derek White's played played excellent. Even sometimes the, the box score doesn't show it. He's, he's been playing magnificent, uh, kind of that role to push them to the, you know, help them get these three wins. So I, I, it's worked out well. And I think that was why, you know, Hey, we're, we're, we're a little bit too big and slow right now. Let's, let's see if we can speed things up. Yeah. And I mean, clearly it was the right move. A lot of people giving Joe some slack, you know, throughout the series, but you know, you make a move like that and you end up winning the next couple of games. I mean, it's, it speaks volumes um, for you right there. And then, you know, you're looking at uh, the Celtics team, and it seems, you know, they're averaging 108, almost 109 points in this series. And, it, you know, obviously, you know, you look at points per game for, for Miami, they're, they're at 30th in the league. You know, can they? I mean, obviously they, have, they, they, they can win a game. But, you know, with Boston playing the way that they are, what does Miami need to do in order to be victorious in this one? Well, they get, yeah, they, the, their preference is going to be what will make them successful, you would think, is by, you know, kind of grinding it out, slowing it down, keeping things close. I think that's their, you know, if you're Eric Spolstra, just keep it close, and we've got a guy who can do it, Jimmy Butler, you know, and uh, if, if the rest of you guys keep it close, and it's going to come down to the same thing. How are our role players playing around Jimmy Butler? How How is – you know, was Kyle Lowry, is he bouncing back and, and having a good series? Is Autobio, you know, is he a force inside? And, and not just not just doing, putting up numbers, but, but putting up winning numbers uh, out of bio. So I just think that anything else, it's just like anything else. Keep it close, and as you saw in game six, if you're the Heat, anything can happen at the end of the game. And we've got an all-star who raises his game in the playoffs and Butler and uh, I just you know look we, we all I find it really interesting that Miami keeps predicting they're going to close the series and win it which they've done again and have already booked the flight to Denver so uh, <laughs> I, I, I just think that you know they, they are very confident going into this game and that's the way you got to be but to win this game I think anyway the way they've been successful is to slow it down grind it out keep the score lower and uh have a shot there to win in the final two minutes. Talking to Sam Amico here on 670 to score, Gabe Ramirez. Um, Got to talk a little bit of Bulls basketball with you, of course. Seems like every single fan over here, Sam, is just like uninterested in the Bulls, didn't get the you know top four pick, not necessarily sure what direction this team is headed in, decisions to be made. People are up in arms when it comes to AK and Mark Eversley and and what I said was, Sam, and I wonder if, if you feel the same way about the state of the Bulls. My, my big analogy has been, I said, AK came in and made the team relevant. That was his first a step in his Euro step. You know, he's, he's, in the, he's in the middle of his Euro step right now, Sam. And no one's allowing him to make the second one 
and see if he can make the bucket. They're just ready to get him out of town after that first one. He's, he brought the team the relevancy. You got, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt there and then, and then at least allow him to be the executive that he is and try to shake up the team and, and, and put it in a different direction. Do you, do you agree with that, or do you feel like you know the mismanagement of the roster over the last year and a half, despite whatever's happening to Lonzo Ball, has been, uh, has, has been something that, that Bulls fans are right about? No, I, I think I'm, I'm with you. I, I think you got to give – look, the Denver Nuggets are in the finals, right? Okay? How long did it take them to build this program? You had to overcome an injury to Jamal Murray. You had to you had to be patient with a number 41 pick in the draft in Jokic. You had to make a couple of trades where you found better fits in guys like Aaron Gordon and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. You, you know, look, it's not just fans. Owners, team owners, they blow up teams too fast, too. And I just think that you, it's tough. It's tough in sports to stay patient. It really is if you think, like, you're not getting any results. But – for me, the Bulls, you had your starting point guard, okay? You had one of the best defensive point guards in the NBA in Lonzo Ball, and, and this injury is mysterious, and, you know, we're hearing reports now that he may not play again. And I mean, this is that's a big setback. You had your team. You know, that team's a different team with Lonzo Ball next to Levine and DeRozan and, you know, Vukovic. It's, it's, that's, a different, that's a different ball club, so... I think that, you know, they've kind of got to figure that out because obviously Lonzo Ball's taking up a huge chunk of your salary cap. That that kind of keeps you from making some moves. Now, they're, they're close. You know, I mean, they're, they're close to a, a team that can contend. It's just I, I don't think that blowing it up or gutting the roster or any of that is, is the solution. I think you stick with the plan. And uh, because, you know what, you bring another general manager, another team president, guess what? You're still right where you were. <laughs> yeah, they're so, going to blow I, it up. I, 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 right. Reassess the roster and such. Yeah, let it, let it, let it, let it got an opportunity, you know, three, four, five years. And then if you feel after five years, yeah, we're just spinning our reels here. You know, we're, we're, we're dangerously becoming the Washington Wizards. Then, then you blow it up. You don't want to do it anymore. But. I, I just think that, look, they've had some setbacks, particularly after the whole Lonzo Ball situation with his injury. Um, it's it's not fair. It's, you know, it's just something you got to try to overcome. And I think that they, it, that was a good move, getting Lonzo Ball to, to mix with the rest of these guys. But that injury has really set back their plans. And, you know, I think, look, let's give it some time to see what happens. And use the Denver Nuggets as your as your guide. They they waited seven eight years before they got to where they got, and it's because they were patient, not firing and making big trades. Yeah, I mean, only one team can win the championship every year, right, Sam? And I think a lot of fans, it's either championship or bust every season. And they the right their patience level is at an all time low when it comes to these things. But they see the East in in the in the state that it's in right now. You got you know Nick Nurse leaving. Uh, the Raptors heading to the 76ers. You got no more Doc. You got a Milwaukee team, you know, changing stuff over there, firing their coach. In, in your mind, what does the East look like to you? Is it, is it going to be more of the same, or do you think these coaching changes and, and maybe some of these roster adjustments are going to uh, change who's sitting at the top of the East next year? Uh, unless one of these coaches suddenly proves to be Phil Jackson, I don't see it making a whole lot of difference. Uh, 
you know, I, I again, I, I think that a lot of times we use the coach as a scapegoat, especially if you're a general manager and, you know, well, if, if, if we keep this up and I don't act like I care by firing the coach, then I'm probably going to go. So I think there's a lot of panic moves and, you know, coaches just aren't treated fairly. I, I mean, Doc Rivers, what did he do wrong? It's, it, it's <laughs> right. It, it, it suddenly, suddenly is somebody going to take you to the next level because of the coaching thing? I, I don't think so. I think the Sixers need some, some help in the roster department. So, you know, look, it's, it's, I don't see, obviously there's going to be a whole nother transactional phase this summer. Then you, you know, then you can kind of predict who looks good and what looks better, but it's so hard to predict. I, I thought the Celtics made the move of the off season, getting Malcolm Brogdon, who is a, a, a pro's pro and a great, you know, really good bench player, but it hasn't made that big of a difference yet. You know, so I, I just think that it's probably going to be more of the same, which is good news for Bulls fans, right? It's like there's no one dominant team in the East and probably isn't going to be next season either. And, that's the thing that can make you slide into that position as the new Celtics or the new Bucks, or, you know, a team that can, that can come out of the East. Uh, And I think for bulls, look, teams like the bulls, obviously the Cavs, the Raptors, those teams aren't that far removed from the top of the East. We saw that because right now you got number eight seed playing, you know, for the right to go to the final. So it's very possible. And I think if you stay the course, more often than not, you're going to be better served doing, going that route. Yeah, I know the I know the Cleveland Cavs let you down this playoff season, Sam. I know, I know. Donovan Mitchell didn't do as much as you wanted him to do in the playoffs, but you know, can't be feeling too bad for you over here in Chicago. In Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but but I will say, no, no, I don't want you to live there and get sad again. But uh, when, when talking about these Bulls, you know, a lot of people are like, well, one of the big three has to go, and obviously, it's not going to be Zach Levine. You you continue to build your team around the you know twenty seven twenty eight year old athletic you know all star, um, but I think Bulls fans if, if they started the season and all three were still on the team, I think that that, that not a lot of people would be happy about that. So of of the two, if 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 any of the two, w- would you move on from them or w- would you try to run it back with that same three? Well, unless unless somebody offers you the sun, moon, and stars, or you know one of your players, I think that there's a lot to be said for familiarity and, you know, having these guys get another, could they use another, you know, another wing shooter? Sure. You know, but those guys you can, you can find without having to surrender uh, the bulk of your team. If you look, look at the Knicks this year. Okay. Now, granted they got beat in the second round, but they made a big step up from last season. And, And part of that, a big part of that was going out and getting Josh Hart for almost nothing at the trade deadline. Right. Yeah. Well, when the, when the Knicks made that trade, nobody was going, oh, wow, they got Josh Hart, you know, they're going to – no, people were thinking they got a guy who's a veteran who's going to come <laughs> right. off the bench, big right. deal. Well, he played such a huge role for them from the trade deadline all the way until they lost in the second round. He may have been their best player other than Jalen Brunson. So, you know, it's not always about making the big splashy moves or trading your stars or trading your best players. Sometimes you can go out and just find a fit, and those kind of fits can take you to another level, you know. And I think really, if you're the Bulls, you know, I mean, I'm not a general manager. There's a reason I'm a writer, but I would think for them that their priority would be go out, find a fit, not give up, uh, 
you know, the guys who have gotten them to where they are and are familiar with each other, familiar with playing with each other. So I don't know. I I don't think they need to make a huge move. All right. Uh, Before I get you out of here, I do got to ask you about Mark Price, one of my dad's favorite players. I just remember him. I always felt like when I was a kid, Sam, and I was watching the Bulls in the 90s play, maybe it was because I was just so little. It felt like he never missed. And (laughs) here I am seeing you on his podcast. What is he up to and what's Mark Price like as a person? Uh, he's a really, you know, we've become friends, so he's a really good guy. Uh, it's rare, you know, yeah, he invited me on his podcast, which I think I told him was the first time a former athlete ever had a writer on their podcast. So uh, I don't know how the numbers were that day, but he, you know, look, he's, he's as grounded as ever. He has, he served as a shooting coach for a while for the Nuggets. Uh, there's talk, you know, he could be in a similar position next year with the Cavaliers. I know he's trying to get back in to the organization, or at least he and the organization have been talking about that. So, um, you know, he's still doing his thing. He's coaching kids and, and, uh, teaching. He has a basketball camp that, that he actually shows up at and works with kids on their shooting. And, uh, from everything I've seen lately, uh, he, he still doesn't miss very often. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he's just, uh, he's been around. Of course, Bulls fans know him well from, from all those battles, at least the older generation of Bulls fans do from all those battles uh, in the playoffs back in, of course, he was part of the Cavs team that, that Michael Jordan hit the shot on. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he's he's staying involved in the game. And, and uh, of course, yeah, he has a he has a podcast now and he has he actually has good guests on there. It wasn't just me. He has he has a lot of <laughs> a lot of people on there that that have made a dent in the game and made their work in the game and uh it's a pretty good listen otherwise. I love it. Uh make sure you check out uh Mark Price's podcast and check out Sam Amico's episode for sure. Sam, I appreciate you hanging out with me on the Memorial Day. Enjoy those birds tweeting in the background. Sounds like you're somewhere fun. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm out at the lake, so probably time to about wrap it up. Go watch a game, but I uh, appreciate you having me on. We'll talk to you soon. I love it. Have a great one, Sam Amico. Make sure you check him out on Twitter at Amico Hoops. Uh, great follow. Puts out a lot of great content. And then, of course, if you uh, still have pain from Mark Price, you can uh, check out that podcast as well. All right, Sam touched on uh, the potential of Lonzo Ball never playing again. And Dan Bernstein on his podcast, Organizations Wins Championships, mentioned it as well. So we're going to play some audio for that and then just just live in that space. Like, you know, obviously there's the personal aspect of a guy like Lonzo Ball never playing again. But, you know, not I mean, people account for it, but probably not as much as they should when assessing and evaluating uh, Arturis Karnisavis as Marchinowski and Chuck Swirsky would call them. So I follow those guys. Uh, but, all right, we'll play the audio for you after the break. Talk a little Lonzo Ball and the Chicago Bulls. Don't go anywhere. It's Gabe Ramirez live and local right here on Memorial Day on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It's Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and on 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Bulls had the lead against the Miami Heat. Three minutes left to go in their playing game. Miami ended up winning that one, obviously, and now they are one game away from making it to the NBA Finals. So does that mean that the Bulls could have been in that position? Is that what we're saying there? Nah, probably not. That's exactly what it means. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's that's how I do my math. My degree's in economics, Alex, and so when I see things like that, you know, I'm like, well, if I, the, the one thing that uh, economists love to say is holding for something to be true, right? Which basically means that, like, which never happens in life, right? Like, I could sit right here and be like, all right, holding true that you're going to sit in your chair for the rest of the show, then I'm going to assume that there's a potential for one bathroom break that in your mind that you're going to only want to go to the bathroom. They, they do it. It's the stupidest thing in the world. So I do that a lot for Bulls. Uh, you know, you're like, oh, well, if the Bears beat, you know, the Niners and the Niners made it to the Yeah, a little transit, whether they call it transitive property or whatever. Yeah, 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 that's very good. All right, Alex, let's see. We can have some conversations about math later. I can't do that with most. I, I'm not good at math, so oh. I, I can't be sure that I'm right about that. Damn it, mathing. All right, I got you. Um, but we were talking about Lonzo Ball and just the sad story that is, right? I mean... When you're thinking about Lonzo Ball and you go back to thinking of where the Bulls were when he was healthy and playing, I think a lot of people just minimize that he was he he was Pat Bev times four. Four times not that's literally, but I'm just saying, like right, right? A significantly better three point shooter. A significantly better passer, even though I love the way Pat Bev ran the offense. Got to the cup, drew in defenders, and was always trying to make the right pass out there. Pat Bev's a good defender, but Lonzo Ball 6'6". And the last piece, right, which I thought Pat Bev did exceptionally well, which was being a glue guy, getting the best out of the people that were on the Chicago Bulls roster. Lonzo Ball did that in spades. And I use that phrase often because I like playing spades. But Lonzo Ball was that dude. And I think a lot of people, they say they understand that Lonzo Ball's not there and what he meant to the team. Like they, they throw it out so casually. But to see the state of the team in the present and where it was at prior to Lonzo Ball going down with that injury, I mean, it's just, it's just last game was January 14th. January 14th, and just to give you a little stat line, all right? 15 points, three assists, two rebounds. He was four for 10 from the three-point line. Now, you might scratch your head at that, but how many people on the Bulls are putting up 10 threes? Zach Levine, that's it? So you don't even have that threat living anywhere else. And that was the biggest thing. If you go back just even a couple of games, he had a steal in the block and Prior to that one, a steal in the block in his, you know, four out of five games, you know, was hitting at least two three-pointers in five straight games. Had a block thrown in there occasionally. Rebounds never hit the 10 mark, but, you know, seven and seven. Rebounds and assists. He was just that dude. Listen to Dan Bernstein and his son on their organization wins championships. Make sure you check that out on the Odyssey app. Uh, talk about Lonzo and what is uh, what some people in the organization are are assuming his fate will be. The other thing I heard is even though publicly there has been an expression of guarded optimism regarding a future for Lonzo Ball, and there's a reason why for you know, pursuant to all kinds of, of union issues where they haven't asked for the salary exemption yet because they don't want to send the message publicly that they're done with him, they don't think it's likely that he ever plays again it sucks 
And it's yes. and that's that was our speculation when we heard about an experimental cartilage replacement surgery that yeah. is incredibly rare and is much more likely being done just for his quality of life off of the basketball court. And that's the most frustrating thing is that you knew his surgery was going to be a risky one and it came with a very large probability of him never playing again. And here we are. And it sucks. Imagine if you're AK and you're like, damn it. I I I did everything right. I had the team in first place with the roster that I constructed. And a big component is no longer there, and I'm still being held to the same standard, as if I have the same money, as if I have the same resources, as if it's a, if it's a, as if I have the player and talent pool available to me as I had back then. And it's a sad place to be, not just for AK, but more so than anyone else for Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball's a hooper. You've seen his dad. That's literally all he's been doing his whole life, hooping, being in the limelight. And now all of a sudden, not only did your, does your younger brother leapfrog you, but you never have the opportunity to play basketball again? What? Bruh. Imagine what you do for a living if you love your job and then like your hands got cut off or something crazy. Like you couldn't do anything anymore. We should all, we, I, you know what I should do? You know, you need, you need things to go viral, you know, when you're doing media. Alex, I should make like, a, I don't know, like a, 30 by 30 foot, you know, card for Lonzo Ball. Leave it on the corner of Michigan and Lake and just let people come up and sign it because we want to make them feel good. I'm down with that. I'll, right. I'll sign it. You'd sign it. I'll put my, I'll put like an outline of my body on it. You know what I mean? It's just like, it was me that did it. <laughs> he'd appreciate that. I don't know where he'd put that 30 by 30 card, but I'm sure, I'm sure he'd appreciate it. Yeah, maybe I'll, 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 uh, do some deep thinking and see if I could put something like that together before the season starts. Ah, Lonzo Ball. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming up at 7.20. I'm here till 8 o'clock today, guys. Uh, we got a little Twitter time before I get up out of here at 7.40. 7.20, we got Bruce Levine hanging out with us, discussing the big Cubs game uh, and performance from Marcus Stroman. So uh, make sure you're here for that 7 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.